Beloved, I have amazing news for you. It's not new news, but maybe today is exactly the news that you need to hear. If you have confessed your sin, he is faithful, he is just, and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Oh, praise you, God. We worship you. Please be seated. And would you, uh, would you open God's Word, however you access that? Turn with me to our Old Testament passage for today from Psalm 112. Psalm 112. In my Bible, I had set this passage apart. Um, uh, often, many of us refer to Proverbs 31 as just this amazing description of, of what a godly woman uh, is, is like. And I think in my mind, Psalm 112 was kind of my, my male uh, Proverbs 31, right? It was, it was kind of God's word to me as a man. And this week as I was reviewing it again, I, I realized um, it's not just God's word to men. It's God's word to Children, to youth, to women, to men, all those who've come to that place where they've experienced the generosity of God. Hear the word of God. I'm, it's going to be a little awkward because I'm going to try and be more inclusive in, in this psalm today. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord, who greatly de- delights in his commandments. His or her children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in their house. And his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He or she is gracious and merciful and righteous. It is well with the one who deals generously and lends, who conducts their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He or she will be remembered forever. They won't be afraid of bad news. Their heart will be firm, trusting in the Lord. Their heart will be steady. They will not be afraid until they look with triumph on their adversaries. The one who is righteous has delivered, excuse me, distributed freely. He or she has given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. Well, the wicked, the wicked see it and get angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. Oh, yes, the desire of the wicked will perish. The very word of God. Thank you. Thank you, God. What a vision from 3,000 years ago of what right relationships looks like. Open your word, would you, to um, the book of Acts. So in the New Testament now, you have the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then there is really the story of the church. And uh, in Acts 2 and in Acts 4, we see just a couple of, of amazing glimpses about that. Look, look, I'm sorry to just jump right in the middle of a longer story, but my prayer is that as we do that, it will prompt you to look at the larger 
context. In Acts 2, verse 42, Pentecost has come. The power of the Holy Spirit has filled the believers and and now begins this amazing season in which we still are. The, the season of the body of Christ, the season of the church of God. And in Acts 2.42, it tells us a little bit about that, about that community. Uh, verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. Look at this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. In other words, it was such a beautiful vision that everyone else who saw that said, I want that. I want to, I want to have that kind of relationship with God. I want to have that kind of relationship with other people. Now, flip over a couple pages, maybe, to Acts 4. To Acts 4 beginning in verse 32. And while you're finding your way there, I would just uh, fill in a couple pieces of the story. So, so whenever something good like this is happening, it uh, makes other people mad, especially people who have investment in good not happening, right? Uh, and that was true here. And, and the church of Jesus Christ began to suffer a little bit. In fact, the uh, the Apostles were imprisoned or were arrested and, and, and there was an attempt to squash the goodness of God, to squash what was happening here. And, and, and yet the opposite happened. When they were released, then, then they just prayed all the more, right? Uh, that God would be glorified in their life. It's powerful, powerful prayer. Uh, and uh, beginning in verse 27, 28 of chapter 4. And, and at the end of that prayer, for the second time now, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And then we're going to pick it up at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Oh, I remember the first time I heard those words. Oh, my goodness, God, what a vision for for community, not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who we know of by the name Barnabas, right, 
which means son of encouragement. Joseph, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The very word of God. Oh, my goodness. I want to just guess that right now um, there's a little bit of an odd feeling for you. Um, you're thinking, what's going to come next? Is, um, is Pastor Dave, after having taken us through this exercise of the parable of talents, now going to say, sell everything you have, right? Um, is, is he a communist? Uh, is he a socialist? Is, what, where are we going from here? Because twice in those two passages about the early church, we see them selling their possessions, giving it to the poor, right? Can we just just eradicate fear right here, right? And, and say, no, no, this is all good, right? What God is doing is giving us a front row seat on, on what happens when a community gets generous, right? When a community gets generous. And, and the, the blessing, right, that, 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 uh, that faith community is to all those around. I just want to say really clearly, we didn't have a chance to hit all 2,000 of you know, uh, those verses and stuff that have to do with, with generosity. Um, but a key aspect of it is that God is not a God of compulsion. He's a God of invitation, right? Uh, uh, this is an invitation to a deeper experience of who God is. And, and don't fear. Don't fear. His Holy Spirit will give you peace as, as you take another step in generosity. But let's think about it for a second. What characterizes now? We've, we've looked a lot at individuals and seen amazing life transformation. Uh, but, but what characterizes a, a, a generous church, right? A generous faith community. Unbelievable picture right there. Uh, in both Acts 2 and Acts 4, let me just let me just hit the ground running with you and say a, a, a generous church, a generous faith community is characterized by great devotion to God, to God. If we're devoted to our own uh, uh, advancement or to any other motivation, yes, even to Kansas City winning the Super Bowl. Okay. I thought it was weird when they tracked Santa Claus across the skies, right? They were tracking Taylor Swift across the sky. I kid you not. I kid you not. Um, wow. Wow. Um, what characterizes a, a, a generous community is, is great devotion to God. Did you see that? They devoted themselves to the word of God, right? That's how we translate the apostles' teaching right there. They didn't have a Bible like you have on your phone or in your hand. Uh, they, they had to listen and hear and memorize. They devoted themselves to what they heard the apostles teaching to the word of God. And I'm so grateful for you, congregation. I'm so grateful to your devotion to the word of God. The word of God is our ultimate test of, of the will of God. So I'm, I'm so blessed that you are committed to that. But look at this. They also devoted themselves to the fellowship of believers. And that's that koinonia word. It's not um, the word you know, for potluck. It, it is the word 
for the deep, intimate communication of spirit to spirit that happens when, when believers connect with one another. We don't have time this morning, but, but you've all had that experience where you, 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 you're communicating with someone and, you, and it's just an unusual feeling. And, and, and finally it dawns on you, this person is a follower of Jesus. Your spirit was meeting their spirit. And, and they devoted themselves to that kind of fellowship far beyond anything surrounding a football team or anything else, right? You have temporary uh, communion. You get an elevator. You have temporary relationship. We're talking about something much bigger, much deeper, a relationship that's a fellowship that's, that's based on the person of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Spirit of God in, in the believers. They devoted themselves. Now, uh, again, when, in previous teachings of here, I outlined for you, yes, this includes, the breaking of bread includes uh, uh, communion, that, that great gift of God, that grace gift of God for us, but it goes far beyond that, right? It, it, every time we break bread, whenever you do this, right, we have that opportunity to um, to, fel- to fellowship deeply. I'm so grateful for my um, my son-in-law's parents. They hosted my family, my whole family, um, this weekend uh, in Alton, Illinois, across the river from St. Louis, and we just had about 36 hours of um, of sweet, sweet. Fellowship and 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 where did most of it take place? Around food, around the breaking of bread, right? Uh, and and we we broke bread with grateful hearts together. That for this we don't know what tomorrow holds, but for this shining moment we were able to be together. And that sweet invitation is ours as the body of Christ to break bread together in our homes to receive even if it's just a sourdough loaf, right, to receive our food with glad and generous hearts. And they devoted themselves, as we say here at all of that, to, to um, extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer. Um, uh, not trying to win God's approval, but just not being able to leave the presence of God communicating to him their desires. So, so what characterizes a generous community, great devotion to God, but also great unity among the believers. Now in Acts 4, now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. Isn't that interesting? Uh, just for our purposes this morning, I want to remind you that usually when you see the word heart in Scripture, it's, it's not talking about the center of our emotions. It's talking about our will. Uh, they were of one will, and that will was counseled by their minds and their emotions, but, but they came to that place where they were all identified by one will. How in the world is that possible? How could we, this diverse group, and if you're not familiar with us, this is a very diverse group, all kinds of political persuasions, all kinds of backgrounds, um, how could we possibly become a one will, right? Well, we focus on the will of God, right? We focus on Jesus, and he becomes our rallying point, right? He becomes our focus, and we become of one mind, one heart, one will. Oh, my goodness, uh, what, a, 
What a powerful declaration that is to the world. But did you notice it also said um, uh, one soul, one soul. And I'm going to translate that as, as one new identity, right? We have a new identity as followers of Jesus, as Christ ones, right? Our identity is, is found in Christ, and, and it's a unique identity. It's one that will make the world uh, uh, look and stand up and say, what is it about them? They're so countercultural, right? They, they love in the face of rebuke. They, they, um, they self-sacrificingly offer themselves to others. Um, we have this amazing unity that is based on the will and the identity of Jesus. Now, you might have been picking up on this. There's all these greats in this, in this um, Acts 4 passage. Not only was there great devotion to God, not only is there great unity among the believers, but there was great power for apostolic witness. Now, again, I know I'm treading on, on uh, many backgrounds that we have represented in the world. That means something different to many of us. Let me just parse it for our purposes today. Apostle means sent one, right? Sent one. People who are commissioned by Jesus to represent him to the world and are sent out into various places to go before him, to prepare the way for him. And, and what characterized this this. Fledgling church, not fledgling, it's over 3,000 people by this time, was great power for witness, for apostolic witness. In other words, God is going to use you to declare his kingdom. He's going to use you to speak life into people and and out of their unity, out of their devotion, out of their intense um, uh, prayer for God's perfect will to be worked out in their life, they, they received great power. But here's what I love. Here's what I love about this passage. Not only did they have great power, but great grace was upon them all. Great grace. Remember my shoe a few moments ago, right? Um, we are people that are conditioned to believe that we are not worthy. Next week is going to be really important as we, as we try to anchor I, our identity in Jesus Christ. Uh, but we're so conditioned to believing that somehow we're precluded from the, the mercy of grace and grace of God uh, that, that we can't receive it. Um, when we gather together, when we devote ourselves to God's purposes for our life, he pours out his unmerited favor on us. He pours out grace on us. Anybody need grace this morning? <laughs> Easier question would be anyone not need grace, right? Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. And Jesus wants you to have that grace. The, the amazing thing is that it comes through community, 
together. When you say to me, I know you're beating yourself up, Pastor Dave, but, but Christ's grace is sufficient for you. It speaks to me. He speaks to me. Community is absolutely an incredible gift of God to put into practice the, the greatness of God. But here's, here's one more point for us today. Um, not only uh, is the community marked by devotion, great devotion, by unity, by power, by grace, we're also marked from this passage by great sensitivity to one another's needs. And, and again, I remember when I just early in my discipleship first saw this passage. That was the phrase that jumped out among, uh, jumped out to me, right? There was not a needy person among them. Not a needy person. How does that happen? How does that happen? Now, now I want to be fair here and say that I believe the context for this was the community of faith. There was not a needy person among the community of faith. Um, Jesus himself said, the poor you're going to always have with you, right? There's, there's always going to be greater need out there. But as we become that community where there's not a need, as we speak powerfully the word of God and invite other people into Christian community, then they also are blessed, right? All the way back to Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed church, to be a blessing. And God's great invitation would be that we live into who we really are as the church of Jesus Christ. So it's going to be, it's going to be great sensitivity to one another's needs. Uh, how do they solve that problem? Well, they just didn't regard anything as their own. I'm looking at Kathy here in the front row. We go back pretty far. I think you were on the pastor search committee several of you in the room that, um, that did the dirty deed 30 years ago. Um, but I, how many times do I come over to your house in, uh, and in need of something? Uh, early on, a haircut. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I needed it or you wanted it for me, but I got it. I got it from you. Um, how many times has God ministered to one another through that, right? That's the sweet invitation of God to be that. How, how does that happen? Because she didn't regard anything that was hers or stands as her own. But, but I was like family. I, I, I was just invited into their resources. And I pray that, that that was reciprocal somewhere along the line, that you feel that. That's the sweet invitation of God, you guys. Uh, to, to not hold our resources so tightly that uh, that we can't freely let it go, right? Freely. Now, I'm, I say that with fear and trembling because uh, when you take that step to say, I want to advance God in my generosity, right? Um, uh, the world can change. Many of you know that um, we're trying to sell my father's house in, in, uh, in California, and it looks, it looks far beyond what we could have ever asked or imagined. Um, it's just a weird dynamic, but everything, including delaying the changeover until after Karen and I have a chance to get out there and pick up a couple key pieces that we'd like to keep to, to taking care of anything we leave behind, 
to doing the sewer inspection. All, everything we could have ever asked or imagined. Well, well, guess what happens then? A couple days later, um, there is a massive storm in California, right? <clears throat> There's a massive storm. And, and I don't know what the exact at my dad's house, but in about three days, they got somewhere between 12 and 13 inches of rain, which it never rains in Southern California. And so... And that's what the song said. Not true. Not true. It pours, right? Um, and so I laughed. I laughed. I said, God, you have such a great sense. You're going you're gonna to wash that house right off that, <laughs> right off that hillside, right? And, and we kind of tentatively called back and said, how's it going back there? I said, man, you wouldn't believe it. Everything is perfect. Everything is fine. Go, Thank you, Jesus. And then eight miles away, a 4.6 earthquake uh, in, in Point Magoo. And we're, oh, you, you have got a sense of humor, God, you know. Um, um, the shoe, right? The shoe. And God says, I've got this, Dave. Please don't misunderstand me. Not that this is going to go through the way you think it is, but it's far beyond anything having to do with your father's house. It has to do with the very nature and character of God. So, so sweet invitation of God is to live into that great grace, to, be, to become that generous community. But a part of that is going to mean to loosen our white-knuckle grip on stuff, yep. on ourselves, right? And so it's so beautiful when you look at that passage. It is not about communism. It's not about socialism. It's about um, hearts and hands that hold very loosely to what we can't take with us anyway, right? And make that available to those who are in need. Great giving beyond, beyond the requirements. A lot of us were chafing a little bit at this idea of tithing to God. We, we kept reinforcing ourselves, all that we have is God, not just the 10% that we give to him, but, but Jesus is going to take us even further. Why? Why? Because we're, we're not the old the uh, old Israel, the old covenant people, we are a new covenant people who have the spirit living in us moment by moment direction. We have in our laps the very word of God. We have insight into all that God desires of us. We're, we're not uh, the, the Old Testament people of Israel. We're the new people of God. This new thing, ecclesia, the called out ones, right? We are the church. We are the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Wow. Wow. So we have a, we're a new people of God, the church, but we also have a new standard, and the standard is no longer law. Do this. Don't do that. Why is music coming to me? Can't you read the sign, right? Um, I'm becoming my dad, you guys. Watch out. There's a new standard, Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus Christ fulfilled all that law. Jesus Christ raised the bar, and it's a beautiful standard. It's a beautiful standard. And then he's given us a new motivation. Now, the Spirit of God dwells in us, right? Uh, now, in the past, there was three motivations for generosity, Right? There was, there was the law, or I'm going to translate that, um, you have to do this, right? 
legalism. You must do this. Um, I still chafe at, at, at someone telling me, you must do this. You have to do it. But there's also, there's also this in-between place. You ought to do it, right? Are, are there anybody else out there that's vulnerable to that? Well, I should do this. I ought to do this, right? And, and the motivation behind that is not law now. It's guilt. It's guilt, right? But, but what the testimony of the book of Acts, what the Holy Spirit, the motivation the Holy Spirit is giving us is now you don't have to. It's not that you ought to. You want to. You want to. That's grace, beloved. That's grace. That's God replacing fear with joy. Right, come on up, worship team, if you would. That's God, that's God inviting us to an intimate relationship with him that, that is no longer slave to fear, but, but is freed from that. To, with generous hearts, meet the needs of those around us as only God can. So that brings us to our last, our last one. A great surrender, right? This is not about giving. This is not about if you do this, then you check that box and God will, will love you and you'll earn your way. No, this, this, is, this is about uh, living out of what's already been done for you. This is about surrendering to the fact that you cannot escape how beloved you are of God. He created you, he formed you, he redeemed you, and, and if he asks of you to, to grow your generosity, it's because he knows that that will free you to become more like him. But we're moving even beyond the idea of giving to, to this idea of how you spend your life, to service, right, to to um, living your life in such a way that other people see Jesus. In our story, one person whose name you'll explore, if you don't know that name, Barnabas, um, uh, it was an amazing person in that fledgling community who so put into practice God's word that, that everyone around him was blessed, including person who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Um, Barnabas sold a field. He could do anything he wanted with that field. Uh, he chose to give those resources to the kingdom of God. And, and then God set him apart for a life of, servant, of service that changed his world and through him changed ours. So my question that you've been staring at for a few minutes here is, how about you? Have you, have you got grace? A couple of quick questions just to help us clarify that, right? A couple of quick questions. How does belonging to Christ and his eternal kingdom, I know a lot of words are going by fast, um, track with me. How does belonging to Christ and his kingdom influence the way you steward the temporal, earthly matters now? There's a couple of references that we've dealt with over the past four weeks to just remind you, right? 
Beloved, we are the expression of God's eternal kingdom on earth. We don't merely long for eternity. We're living it now. Does that make sense? We're in eternity now. May we trust God enough to be what he wants us to be, to be where he wants us to be. For now, that's a living part of eternity right now. How does belonging to Christ influence the way you steward the resources God has entrusted to you? And then, and then secondly, are you... Are you giving by grace, right? Are you living out of law, out of guilt, or out of grace? And, and the hallmark of someone who is, is freely living out of grace. Do you remember way back four weeks ago when, when they brought, like today, they brought back to God uh, multiplied resources that he had entrusted to them, he said, enter into, help me, the joy, the joy of your master. May we be people who are marked by fear, by joy. Stand with us, would you?